now then. Uh, outpouring update, things that God's been doing just in the last few days at Refuge. Last weekend uh, was a great weekend at all of our campuses. There were uh, four who were saved here last Sunday on this campus and accepted the Lord. And uh, Mark Tree had five folks baptized last Sunday. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Praise the Lord. And so I believe they baptized 17 people this year. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, you know what, That's, uh, that church didn't exist before 2019, church. And so that means that's pretty important that we saw the vision of God down there. And, uh, and so thank you for continuing to support all of our campuses. And then we had several folks healed here last week. In fact, if you've not told me your story of what the Lord did when the Lord pointed out some things that we prayed about physically and, and some folks were healed, if you haven't told us that story, please, please relate that to us. We would love to hear about it. Now, as I was praying about 2024 in mid-September, the Lord drew my attention to three concepts. And these three concepts have everything to do with a word that you do hear often, and that word is multiplication. Uh, these three concepts have everything to do uh, with multiplication. If you've been along uh, here at Refuge for some time, we believe uh, that God has called us Refuge. And by the way, Refuge is uh, building God's house and building a place of refuge for people. And as we do that, we believe that we have been called, no, we know that we have been called, according to Scripture, to be fruitful and to multiply. Jesus said that I have ordained you to go and bear fruit that remains. In other words, God says this, I'm going to do something powerful enough in your life when you come into a relationship with me that fruit will grow from that. Out of your life, other good things happen. Other people come to know the Lord. Other lives get changed because you were willing to be changed. So, uh, so don't feel as if you're insignificant and I don't know what my place in the world is. I might not be able to tell you all of your calling and all of your, your gifts and your abilities and exactly all the places God would have you in life, but I can tell you this, definitely what's inside of you because God is inside of you as a believer is that you can multiply. In other words, what God has done in you through you, he wants to do in somebody else. How many of you at the end of this year would like to have somebody seated next to you in one of those seats who is God is doing in their life what he's already done in yours? What a blessing would that be? And here's the key. We get to be part of that process. God could have chosen to reach people and redeem the world however he wanted to, and he chose to use us. He said, I'm going to do the heavy lifting you can't do, I'm going to come and I'm going to position myself to, to be the sacrifice for sin and to reconcile you to the Father. But then I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in your life and make you capable of doing what you can't do on your own. And through your life, other people are going to see me. Through your life, other people are going to hear me. Uh, through your life, other people are going to come to know who I am and come to believe on me. What an amazing purpose we have that my life changes someone else's eternity when I let God reach through me. You've got a bigger purpose than just getting through the school day, getting through the work day, just making it through another year. No, God's going to reach through you at work, at school, in your neighborhood, with your family, reach through you to change someone else's life and multiply. What an amazing purpose for us that God has brought us in 
to his kingdom business. And we saw multiplication last year at Refuge. All of our ministries combined, we saw about 100 people saved last year. We saw a lot of folks baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can't give you an exact number. That's a harder one to track. We saw over 100 people healed physically. Our our three church campuses, our three church campus families grew, our families grew by 21% last year. And by the way, that wasn't just one campus that grew and kind of carried the other two. All three campuses individually grew, and all of us in total grew 21%. Because God is multiplying things. We made nine ministry trips last year to take the outpouring to other churches. We had nine opportunities to go. And the only ones y'all didn't go with me to uh, was uh, two that I did in Virginia. But the ones in Missouri, the ones in Mississippi, the ones in other parts of Arkansas, you were there. And and so we were able to take what God is doing here to nine other places. Our, Our special needs ministry took off and now has developed a team. That's multiplying. We added, did you realize this year, we added four new grow groups just at this campus and and groups started at both of the other campuses. And right now, we average over 60% of the number of people that show up to a refuge church on Sunday morning, over 60% are somewhere in a grow group. I can tell you, you may think that that's not a, that's not a very good grade in school, but among churches, to have 60% of the people that come on Sunday morning be involved in a small group, that is miraculous compared to most of the church world. Uh, because for, for people to want to come back to anything but one service is absolutely amazing. And we've seen that happen this past year. West Campus, man, if you been over there and seen what God has done, even in the natural and in the physical, uh, how the Lord funded. We didn't have to fund. The Lord funded the remodel of that building over there until where it's a beautiful place. Uh, it was a wonderful time yesterday um, as we celebrated uh, Gwen Lee's passing and her home going, and we did it uh, over there at West because she and her family had been attending over there, and, and it was just a beautiful place to host all of these folks that came to celebrate this woman of God, and we had a wonderful facility to do it at that you could be that, that spoke volumes about the kingdom of God. God did all that. We haven't done that. God's done that. Uh, the Mark Tree Campus, I mentioned the salvation, but they've had over, uh, I mentioned the baptisms, they've had only over 30 people saved this past year at Mark Tree alone. And Provision 88, our food and clothing ministry, that's serving more families than ever, somewhere between seven and 800 families per month. That's well over 2,000 people served every single month on our campus. So there's a lot to praise God for from 2023. We've seen multiplication, but that was last year. So I'm interested in seeing what's God want to do this year. Because if Paul says there has to come a point where we forget those things that are behind, he wasn't just talking about the bad. He was talking about the good. Because if you get stuck in the good thing that happened in the past, you might never move forward. 
I know we always think about getting stuck in the negative and the dark and the regrets and the, and, and the hurts of the past, but what if we were to get stuck in the glories of the past and never move to what's next? Because the Bible says the glory of the latter house will be greater than the one of the former, that he's taking us from a glory to a glory. So if we say, well, God, this past year you multiplied and you did glorious things, then that means he's got something else in store for the coming year. So we praise God for what was, but now we look forward to what is coming and we we're excited about that. I can't predict everything God's going to do, but I know three elements of multiplication that are going to carry us forward in 2024. And during these next three weeks, this week of the next two, I'm going to share uh, those things with you that will carry us into multiplication. Here they are. Innovation, increased capacities, and influence. I said innovation, increased capacities, and influence. This is going to make us an iChurch. You say, you, you're an iPhone user. Yes, I am. <laughs> but we're not talking about connecting ourselves to Apple. We're talking about the eyes that God's calling us to this year. Innovation, increased capacity, and influence. That's what we're called to, to make multiplication a reality. And before you say, well, that sounds like just a lot of technic, modern technological language. Where did you come up with that? You have to understand that this is the exact model we are given in Scripture. We've just put some, we just put some words to it. See, we can't do things our way and expect God's results. Now, that's true for a church, but it's also true for my individual life. I can't go live just however it seems natural or convenient or easy or whatever seems like is the first option for me. I can't just follow my feelings and follow the crowd and follow the circumstances and just kind of be pulled along through life and somehow believe that God's results are going to come out of that. No, if I want God's results, I do things God's way. I don't know if you've figured it out now, but how many of you have walked with the Lord long enough to find out that the Word of God works? If you work the word, the word works because the Bible says that all of the promises of God are in him, yes, and amen, period. So when you follow the Lord and are obedient to him and you take his direction, then what the Bible says will become your life is what comes. And in fact, you should expect it because God is not a man that he should lie to you. You can expect what the Bible says when you walk in the Bible's ways. So We've got to make sure that if we want to see multiplication, God's kind of multiplication, then we've got to walk in God's ways because we can't do things our way and expect God's results. And the early church, which is the church that I can easily think of that experienced the most effective and expansive ministry multiplication imaginable, from 120 believers at the beginning of the day of Pentecost to 3,000 at the end of the day. Amen. And we're not talking about in the Bible Belt where people were already familiar with the gospel or where they had probably been taught something when they were a child at VBS. No, we're talking about people that are having to be being present with the idea of a redeeming Messiah. Some of them, many of them, maybe all of them for the very first time and in one day's time from 120 believers to 3,000. 
And then it's another few thousand just in another chapter or two. And then it's more. And then it's more. And then the missions are going out and churches are being established in all these areas. And you just can't find a more amazing model of God multiplying his church and his people across the world than the early church. These folks undeniably carried out the work of God in their time. All of us know that that is true. That church... They left us our history. That's why we have the book of Acts. They left us their example. You do realize that the book of Acts is not in our hands so that we'll just marvel at what was, but so that we would have a model for what should be. Wow, I really thought you'd be more excited about that. The book of Acts is not intended to be a mo- uh, 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 just a, a monument to what was, but a model of what should be. You read that book of Acts, it shouldn't just be, well, that's amazing. That's wonderful what God did. No, it should inspire you and say, well, wait a minute. We have the same Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit. There's folks now that need him just like then. So what if we were to go and do, just like Jesus said, the same works he did? What if? Well, we're going to find out this year. We're going to find out. And so once they experienced the outpouring in Acts 2, which is a word you're probably familiar with if you've been around here, multiplication then started immediately. And in 2024, we are people of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Why can you say that? Say it very naturally and comfortably. Because Joel chapter 2 predicts it. Acts 2 confirms that that began to be fulfilled on that day, Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. Peter said, made it clear, he said, this is exactly what Joel was talking about, the weird spirit, because folks showed up to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and said, what is this? And he said, this is exactly what was promised. And when he says, when God says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, Every time we proclaim and every time we notice because we've watched the news or we've heard something that's going on, every time we've noticed that this is the last days, and how many times have you said that recently? I mean, when you've noticed this is the last days, the other thing you notice then is this. Well, if it's the last days, God said he pours his spirit out in the last days. So while the enemy's at work, God is also at work. And we've watched that happen as we've seen People come to the Lord. People's lives be transformed, delivered from addiction, delivered from alternate lifestyles, delivered from all kinds of bondages and pain and sin and brought into freedom and forgiveness and the truth and restoration. We've watched the outpouring happen among us. And now, because after they experience the outpouring, multiplication is what followed. It's time for multiplication. It's time for multiplication, not just in the church, but in your life. God has done so many wonderful things for you that he wants to do for somebody else that it's time for that to begin to take shape. It's time for you to begin to see the fruit of some of your prayers for other people. It's time for us to see the harvest of some of the seeds that you've invested. There's folks you've been praying for, but there's also been folks you've been uh, speaking to, witnessing to. You have loved on them. You have been long-suffering with them. You have shared with them what the Lord placed on your heart for them. You've given them scriptures. You've texted them when you thought about them late at night and you were praying. And those that's all seed. That is seed. And at some point, seed planted in 
into good ground comes to a fruition of harvest. So we're believing multiplication now, Lord. We're experiencing the outpouring. Now let's have multiplication. That's now, and it's not just for the church. It is also for you, for your life to see that what you have been given by God can make a difference in somebody else's life. It's time for us to see that be the case. It's going to be that way in the American church. And by the way, if I, if I were to just make a little prediction for you, what we're going to see in the coming days, praise God for what's going to happen within the context of church. But I think you're going to be even more amazed by what happens in the context of believers' lives in the marketplace, in the school, in the business world, wherever we find ourselves. In fact, at Antioch, that's where the word Christian was first used. And do you remember what the word Christian means? It means little Christs. Now, they kind of meant it diminutively. They kind of meant it insultingly. But we took that to heart and said, oh, if you're going to call us little Christ, if you see something of Jesus in me, enough to call me Christian, praise God. That means out there running around everywhere, when the body of Christ turns out from the churches they're worshiping at today, I just scattered all over the place are the little representations of Christ. The little, the people who have experienced God and his love, the people who know he's real, the people who have experienced his salvation and power, just assigned to go everywhere. It's almost like we're called to go out there and be salt and light because we are. And don't be, ex- don't be surprised in this year and in the coming days when we hear wonderful things God's done at church, but even more amazing things that he's done through believers who are out there acting like Jesus everywhere that there was time for multiplication. Now, for the early church, the book of Acts, it looked like, and I'm going to convince you of this during this sermon and the next two Sunday mornings, in the book of Acts, multiplication looked like innovation, increased capacity, and influence. So turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. I'm in the New King James if you have a choice of versions before you. Even as Peter was saying these things, he's at Cornelius' house sharing the word. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. In other words, they couldn't deny that the Holy Spirit had been poured out because they saw the evidence of it in their lives. Then Peter asked, verse 47, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Now, these may be, in modern times, 
easy words for us to read. But this wasn't an easy idea for early Jewish believers to process. That the Gentiles could be saved just like they were. This was a new thought. This was groundbreaking. This is a conflict and a problem that must be solved. So Peter went to Jerusalem and he met with leaders from the church and he told the story of how he was taken into a vision and in that vision he was given the instruction to not call unclean anything that God had cleansed. While he's still hearing that message, there's a knock on the door. And he's called to go downstairs because there's people who have arrived to speak with him. And when he gets downstairs, he finds that someone named Cornelius have sent some folks to go get, to go get him and bring him because what they want is to hear the message of the gospel. And so there he is at Caesarea. He shows up. And, 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 and as he's sharing with them the truth, the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they're baptized. And this then was the response of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. He shares that story of which we read. And this was the response of the leaders with whom he shared it. Chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent. Don't pass that up and just read on without contemplating what was just said to you. The leaders of the church, Jewish people who had a Jewish Messiah, who had an experience with salvation and now the Holy Spirit being outpoured in their lives. People who have theological backgrounds, some of them, some of them who have walked with Jesus. And the message they heard from Jesus, you remember? He said, now I'm sending you out, Matthew, about Matthew chapter 10. He sends them out and he says, you know, you don't go to the Gentiles. You go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what they remember hearing from Jesus. Salvation is of the Jews. They've heard that their whole lives. Messiah was Jewish, and those who walked with Jesus knew all about that. And the Bible says that now they're being told, they weren't there. These folks in Jerusalem didn't witness it. And now they're being told by Peter that Gentiles have experienced the exact same thing we did when they accepted the gospel, and they have now received the Holy Spirit. And their response, the first response was the Bible says they were silent. Can I tell you, church family, there are times when we need to be silent and just listen to what God is saying and doing. As much as I would love to believe that I would have been open-hearted and open-minded, as much as I would love to believe that I would have understood Old Testament prophecies enough to know 
like Simeon, that Jesus was going to lighten the Gentiles and they were going to come into the kingdom. As much as I want to believe that I would have been on that side, I think I might have just been a little bit skeptical because that's what I'd been taught my whole life. This is all I've known. And no one raised a word about it. There was no argument. There was no contention. There was even no discussion. But they were silent. I don't know if that silence was five seconds or five minutes or five hours. I don't know. But I know that in that moment of silence, if they weren't there, if their minds weren't ready to receive what had just been said to them, because they didn't open their mouths and just make assumptions and go into the flesh and, and just say what they'd been taught their whole life and, and misinterpret the Bible they had read, because they didn't do that and they just held their peace, they gave the Holy Spirit a moment. I, all of them may have been there. They may have already been ready to accept it. I don't know. But if they weren't, then that silence would have given the Holy Spirit a moment because when they opened their mouths, there was no discussion. This is what said. They glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. They didn't even argue about it. Can you imagine if somebody brought such an obtuse idea into the church this morning? and preach something we had never heard, understood, or believed our entire lives, that we would be able to just say, well, this must be what God's doing now, without a thought. I'm, I'm probably going to throw up some red flags and have some questions. Then I'm going to need to go home and have a 21-day fast. I'm probably going to need to pray a lot think a lot. I'm going to talk to all the people who, whose opinion I respect. And the Bible says they were silent. And then when they spoke, they just said, then God's also granted the Gentiles repentance to life. Can I tell you, these people were amazingly innovative. They were willing to let God take them somewhere they had never been before. Now, when you start bringing it down to that kind of level on your own life, it starts to get challenging. God, am I willing to allow you to take me somewhere in life that I've never been before? In fact, before this was laid on my heart, before I read it in Scripture, I'd never thought about these things, Lord, and now I'm willing to do whatever you say. I know that probably most of us in this room want to be there, but we're challenged by it. And yet these early believers are an amazing model because they were willing to understand that God has plans that are bigger than our thinking. God has plans for us that are bigger than our past experiences. God has plans for us that are above what we can imagine because he's the God who does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Did you realize with your life, there are people that God wants you to reach that you don't yet know exist? There are ways in which we're going to be able to minister to people that we don't even know about yet. 
There are miracles that we have never seen performed before that God intends to do among us. There is an impact on our community and our world that the Lord has planned that we haven't yet dreamed of. It's true of the church and it is true for you. There are ways that God wants to use you you didn't know were possible. Oh, you might have believed it for somebody else, but you've never thought about it for you. There are victories that God wants to bring into your life. Things he's promised in his word that believers should have that you have gone around the mountain of it for years and just assumed it would never happen. And you've, made, and you've kind of made peace with it. Well, you know, I don't know if that one will ever get saved. I don't know if, our, if this part of our family will ever be made whole. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get past this struggle with depression. I don't know all of these things. And meanwhile, there's something inside of you that knows what the word says, but you've kind of made your peace with, I don't know if it'll happen for me. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I don't know if these things, yet they're promises, things that the word has spoken. God wants to bring those victories into your life. There are things that you haven't even known to pray about yet that are God's plan for you. There are people that you are designed to minister to that you're not even aware of. All of those things are out there in the mind and the heart of God. It's time we put down our mind and put on Christ's mind. Because the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. We are going to become, there is no choice, Ephesians declares it, we are going to become the glorious church. Not the barely getting by church, not the we kind of struggle with our sanctification church, not the I keep going around these same old battles church, not the church that the world's not sure what we're about because they look at one place and those people seem to have their act together and then they see on social media this week where these other churches are seemingly going crazy and we don't know. No, there's going to be a glorious church because that is the only one that Jesus is going to present to himself. So that means it's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I didn't decide to check in to the non-glorious church. I, I, I'm not interested in being any part of that. <laughs> but we decided to be part of the glorious church, and that has to happen. That's who the Lord is coming for. So we're getting there. That means things that are outside of our capacity to understand right now, things that are in God's mind, are not yet in my mind. And I can prove it to you. There are things you live right now. There are ways that you live in God right now that a few years or a few decades ago, you wouldn't have even thought possible. You didn't even know that kind of ex walk with God existed or you didn't know freedom existed or forgiveness existed. There was some, you didn't even know it was real and now it's the reality you live every day. So the inquiring mind has to think, Lord, what else is there out there? that right now I don't know about, but you have for me. God is calling us then to innovation. In the 1970s, probably no one around our church had ever thought about taking dozens of mission trips to Mexico and Jamaica and other parts of the United States to build multiple churches and multiple ministry facilities but now, 
We've done just that many, many times. And there was a time when no one had probably ever thought of it. And now it's been done many times. And in just about four weeks, we've got another group that's going back to do it again. In the early 1980s, there were folks around this church, guaranteed, who it had never dawned the horizon of their mind that would be on television and ministering the gospel. But before that decade was over, we had a weekly television program ministering to all of Northeast Arkansas in the 80s. But before that happened, I'm sure there were folks that had never thought about such a thing. Before 1998, and I know because I I was here then, I, I know that taking teenagers every year on a mission trip to Mexico, five times to New York City, one time to Los Angeles, that wasn't something that anybody was thinking about. But we did it, and we saw literally hundreds of children come to the Lord when we did. Before 2008, a weekly food ministry that would provide food and clothing to thousands of people every single month on this property from an almost 10,000 square foot building that we would own free and clear. Before 2008, probably not many people would have thought about that. But now that is our weekly reality. And that's not in the Wayback Machine, that's just 2008. Now if you 20 or under 2008's a long time ago, I guess. I'm just telling you, when you get to almost 50 years old, 2008 is about one blink and you, (laughs) from here to there. (laughs) Prior to 2016, building a church, a refuge church in Africa, wouldn't have been something that was on everyone's radar. And yet, this very day, just a very short, 4,780 mile, nine mile drive east of here. Although I wouldn't drive all of it. This very day, adults, children, teenagers gathered at Refuge Africa to worship in what is now their third facility because they keep having to build them to keep up with the growth. Prior to 2018, providing the city of Marktree with a spirit-filled church that would be deeply connected to the school system, the police department, the chamber of commerce, and the community as a whole, that's just not something we had exactly imagined. But here we are only six years later, and that church is growing and thriving and seeing people saved and baptized and minister, especially the way we did this year in the summer, to the literally the entire community from our little old church plant. We weren't thinking about that just six years ago. Up until July 25th, I know the exact date on that one because I, rem- I looked back on the calendar and saw this, it on the schedule, the date of 2022, taking a church that the district was about to close And restarting it with a pastor and an entire volunteer team on the other side of town was not something that had occurred to us. But this morning at West, right now, people are gathered to worship in a beautifully remodeled building. Folks have already, in that church's short history since the Lord rebirthed it using us, have seen people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, many baptized, and new families have come in. 
And prior to July of 22, we'd never thought of it before. What's the point, preacher? The point is, just because something hasn't been on our minds doesn't mean it hasn't been on God's mind. And God is an innovator. In fact, he's such an innovator that he's a creator. What, have you thought about this? Whatever he imagines and whatever he designs, whatever he wills, he just brings it to pass. When he wanted a universe and a world and an earth and beautiful creation, creatures and fauna and flora and all the rest, he spoke and it existed. When he wanted human beings made in his image to fellowship with, he spoke and they existed. He reached into dirt and they were created. Then when that man fell from sin, and God, of course, who redeemed him the first, who created him in the first place, wants him redeemed. When he wants him redeemed, he just brings about a plan of redemption to reconcile those folks to himself. When he wants to see everything that Adam lost in the fall restored to people, he comes to earth, puts on flesh, and gets it all back. When God wants his people to have their identity in him and wholeness as a person and a purpose for their lives, he wrapped it up in redemption and said, I'm your Abba Father. Now you're my child. You have a brand new life. And it gets to be the life I want it to be for you. Tell somebody he creates whatever he wants. I feel like wax and eloquent. Let me do it. When people, when his people needed a highway through the Red Sea, he just parted it. When they needed food to eat, he just rained down manna from the sky. When they needed to take a walled city like Jericho, they marched around it, shouted, and he made the wall collapse. None of these things are things that are normally done, but that doesn't matter to God. Everything's normal to him. Everything is possible with him. He's the same innovator right now that he has always been. And I would bring that home to you. He is the same innovator in your life that he has always been in the universe before you, uh, before the history of creation. The same innovator he's always been in creator. He is right now. He can create a way for your family to be whole again. He can create a way for your heart to be put back together again. He can create a way for you to have stability in your mind and a purpose for your life and freedom from bondage and sin. He can do it because he's the creator and he creates what he wants. Paul described him like this, Romans 4, 17, God who gives life to the dead. That's amazing in itself. And... Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. It is not a challenge to God at all to look and say, well, there ought to be a thing. I wonder what we're going to do about that. No. If it should be, he calls it like it already is. There's a universe of things that already exist in God's mind. And when he calls them into being, they arrive. And since he has people... Their salvation, their deliverance, their healing in mind 
restored families in mind, ways he wants to receive glory on earth. He has those in mind. Because of that, he's calling us to innovation because the innovation that we need is not in his world. He's the creator. It's in our world so that we can see his ways come to pass in our lives. He's unsticking us from our religion and the limitations of our past and just what we've experienced and what we've been taught so that we can enter into what he actually is. In the seven years the church has existed before Acts 10, Gentile believers weren't part of it. In fact, it seems that the apostles weren't even aware that it was possible for Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit until it happened. So to come to the place where they were willing and able to expand their thinking to include Gentiles in the church, they had to be innovators. God had big plans. In fact, they were so big that he wanted to redeem every Gentile person who would accept him. That's how big his plan was. But he had to have a people to cooperate whose minds were willing to be shaped by him and not by the world, not by their past, not by their limitations, but by him. And if we as individuals in a church are going to experience the plans God has for us, we have to exit our mind and enter into his. Can I tell you a prayer that I like to pray every day? And if, if you feel led to adopt it, maybe it's the Lord would have you do it. If not, that's fine. But I like to pray every day somewhere in my prayer time. I like to say, Lord, I'm stepping now. I'm making the decision to step now out of the natural and into the supernatural. I'm stepping now out of the flesh and into the spirit. Does that mean I don't struggle all day long with that? Well, of course I do. But I made the choice. This is what I am doing. And if I have a moment when I teeter, I did make my choice. There are things you commit to that don't always feel good, but, you, but you're committed, so you stay with it. You know, you, you might not always want to get up at the right time to go to work, but you do appreciate the fact you made a commitment to be there, and I, pr I pray you appreciate that fact. <laughs> and you appreciate the paycheck, so you'll do things that, might not be comfortable for you because you committed. So when I make that commitment in the morning, Lord, I'm stepping out of the flesh into the spirit, out of the natural into the supernatural. I may have challenges to that all day long and temptations, but I committed. So even if I slip up and slip over into the flesh, I'm going to get right back. If I forget that God's supernatural and I keep trying to do it in my strength, I might forget that for a minute, but I'm going to get right back because I said I'm stepping into the supernatural today. Because what I want to do is step out of me and into him. Here's what I learned about stepping into God. His ways are higher than ours. And when you say, now, Lord, I want your mind and not mine. I want your ways and not mine. He's going to challenge you with some things. Because they'll be different than what you would think and do. But those ways are higher. They're better. He may want to do things differently than you've done them before. He may want to do things away in your life that you would not even prefer. He may want to challenge your comfort. He may even willing, be, need you to be willing to learn something new in your life or to unlearn something old because innovation is defined as a new idea, a new method, 
or a new device. So new doesn't have to be bad. New can mean additional ways to reach people. Additional people to reach. Additional impact we can have on our area. Additional opportunities to do kingdom work. In fact, we ought to be excited about innovation because I just can't wait to see what God might do next. Through my life, through my church, God changed me because the last time I submitted to you wanting to change me, it turned out pretty good. The last time I obeyed you and it was outside my comfort zone, that turned out pretty good. May have been hard, may have been a challenge, but I'm so glad. How many of you are ever glad you obeyed God? See, and it was outside of your comfort zone. It didn't feel good, but man, you like where it got you in life because his ways are always higher. He's taking us up. And the question is, what is God calling us to see differently? about our own lives, even about our church? And are we flexible? Can we flow with God if he does something we didn't expect, like the Holy Spirit's fallen on the Gentiles? What do we do with that? They sat in silence, they discerned it was from God, and they said, well, we go with it, that's what we do. If God's in this, then we gotta go with it. And when God's in it, you got to go with it. Yeah, but I've, I, you know, I've never been part of doing that before. This is the first time for me being involved in, if, is God in it? Then let's go. Well, I'll probably have to relearn how to do some things or I'll have to, uh, you know, I'll have to unlearn the way I used to do. Is God in it? Let's go. Understand, innovation requires perspective change. It requires flexibility, and it requires us to unhook from entrenched ways in our lives. The apostles had to offer up their way of thinking like a sacrifice to God so that they could accept the Gentiles because God saw it differently than they did. A powerful prayer is, Lord, in any situation, a powerful prayer is always, Lord, cause me to see this like you see it at work, with an individual. If you're struggling with an individual, especially with a conflict or with feelings or with a past situation, I'm going to tell you something. Asking the Lord to show them the way he sees them will change your heart. Because he's going to show you that they have struggles just like you do. He's going to probably show you that the way that they treated you isn't as much a product of what's going on in you as things that are going on in them. He's going to probably show you how much he loves them and has long suffering for them and has a plan for them. And you might even be part of that plan. Perspective change will change our lives. Where God is taking us as people and as a ministry, Ronnie, you can come, requires new and different thinking because we're not doing the same old things. Last night, in our living room, we did something we always do at the beginning of the year. We sat down, the three of us, well, the four of us, because the dog gets in on it. Because we have a beagle, and she's highly relational. So if we do anything, she's got to be in the middle of it. Heaven forbid she finds me and Erica hugging each other 
having a moment of affection. She got to jump up in the middle of it because something's wrong that she wasn't invited to that party. And we sat around our living room like we do every year around the new year. And all three of us prayed. And then we recorded our goals for this year. And all of them are things that challenge us. We let the Lord speak those things to our hearts, all three of us. Now, I will say, for a few years, we did put the dog in on the goals. We had some goals for her, like not chewing up any more clothing. Not running out the front door when she gets the chance. But we found out she never worked on her goals, so we just stopped we stop making them. I guess we're settling for less than we should, but my faith's not quite there yet. We're going to get there. And we wrote down, typed down, I guess, on our notes. This is what we believe God wants us to focus on in our lives as individuals and even as an entire family this year. All of it, things that challenge us to be different, we'll have to make changes. We'll have to make hard decisions to get there, but they're all things that God would want from us. And so I wonder, what are some of the things that God is speaking to you about? And really, it is innovation when you say, Lord, I'm willing to change my life so I can enter into your life. What are some of those ways for you? I don't know for you because it'd be different for all of us. We don't want to do the same old things. I want to be in on what God's doing right now. So I wonder if you're willing to be an innovator. I wonder if you're willing to let God change your thinking, your acting. If you're willing to be flexible and get right in on what God is doing in your life. God recently has been doing something to me, with me. And it was put to me kind of, not exactly like this. I'm going to do this thing and I need you to cooperate with it. The beauty of a relationship with God is he does the things that we can't do. But he does ask us to cooperate. And he's been faithful since that little journey started for me. He's been faithful to do what I can't but he does ask me to cooperate. And I wonder what is the Lord asking you to cooperate with so that you can leave where you are and go to where he wants you to be. I'm telling you, we're going to have to answer that as a church too. Me as a pastor. Lord, what, what, what is on your mind for refuge? Because it's probably beyond my mind. And I'm going to have to be willing to be flexible and give up what's familiar and easy for me so that I can have what is the desire of God. Would you bow your heads with me? And right now, you're just letting the Holy Spirit shine light on the places that he's challenging you to be flexible, to change, to cooperate with him and take you, take you into an area that Maybe you've never had before, you've never experienced, you've never walked in before. What are those areas? And I'm going to do something that's so very uncomfortable sometimes in church. 
He's going to be silent for a minute like the apostles were silent because we're going to give the Holy Spirit a moment to show us where he's calling us to be innovative in our own life and let him work. Would you listen for just a moment? may need to continue the listening some at home but I did hear a whisper from the Holy Spirit that in this season as you're open to him he's going to bring to a head some things in your life that if you cooperate with what he wants to do they're going to finally be dealt with they're going to finally be overcome resolved if you'll, if you'll be open to where he's asking you to do. If you'll cooperate, this is going to be the time of great overcoming. So I would encourage you to do it. If you would confess with me this morning, make this declaration, I'm going to be flexible and I'm going to cooperate with God. And as he innovates in my life and in my church, I'm going to be in on what God is doing. If that's in your heart, would you stand with me right now? And we're going to, we're going to make that declaration to the Lord together. Come on, you just you talk to God. I'm going to pray, but you pray. Father, Lord, we want to be in on what you're doing in our lives, in the earth, in our church. And so, Father, right now we declare we will be flexible. We will be submissive to your voice and your word and your truth. Lord, we will allow you to work powerfully in us. We will allow you to challenge and change us. We'll allow you to grow us. We'll even allow you to use us. Even in ways that are new and uncomfortable, we will, we will forge forward in faith knowing that your ways are higher. So we want those ways. Thank you, Father, that we're going to see great multiplication because we've allowed you to innovate through us what you want to see in the earth. Now let blessing rest upon the people as they go. Let the peace of God that passes understanding guard their hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And let the joy of the Lord be their strength in Jesus' name. Amen.